You may think your hotel is already green, but are you green enough for today's eco-conscious traveler? Welcome to the Sustainable Hospitality Podcast, your destination to learn from hospitality professionals on the value and opportunities sustainability will bring to your organization. It will put more heads in beds and lower costs at the same time. We are your hosts and sustainable hospitality experts, Kathy McGuire and Amy Walls. I'm your host, Kathy McGuire. In this episode, we talk with Dr. John Bushman, Associate Professor at Florida International University's Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management. We discuss the huge opportunities for food recovery and donation. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone. I'm very pleased to introduce to you Dr. John Bushman. He is a lecturer and postdoctoral associate at Florida International University here in South Florida. And he's also on the board of directors of the Florida Food Policy Council. Welcome, John. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. I, I have stepped down from that board, but I, I did uh, help in the founding of that organization and was on the board for a few years. Oh, good. Okay, wonderful. Uh, so what we want to talk about today is recovering food from events and getting it to the people who really need it, donating it. And I was thinking about, you know, as an example, you could talk about the South Beach um, Food and Wine Festival is mm -hmm. very large. And so give us an idea of what's that like. And I know you've been working in this field of recovery for at least 25 years. So you definitely have the expertise. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah, sure. And matter of fact, it's interesting. Just before this call, I was speaking with one of the organizers of the festival, and we're going over some changes this year, as you can imagine. We're, uh, we shifted the dates from February to May to be able to have the festival this year. And then, of course, we're reducing the size and changing you know, the flow and all of, all of those things we need to do to provide proper distancing and, and protection for everybody. Uh, we'll see if by May we have uh, a whole lot more people vaccinated and maybe even then by then it'll be a, a different situation, but we're preparing as though it were today. Um, so, but we'll talk about the past festivals because this year we don't have the experience yet of what's going on. And uh, the festival is 25 years old. It started here on our campus. It began as a showcase for our students to show off what they're learning. Uh, working with uh, area chefs and also in partnership with uh, Southern Wine and Spirits, now Southern Glazers as a major partner. Uh, uh, it, it became, it actually shifted from, from the food emphasis to the wine emphasis. So it's a wine and food festival. We put the wine first, um, but lots of food. We have a partnership with the, the Food Network and Cooking Channel. So we usually have uh, an amazing array of talent here from all the different shows uh, that, that, that you may be familiar with on, on those channels. So um, that said, with so many uh, uh, celebrity chefs and catering companies and hospitality companies on site, um, they're all competing for, uh, for the attention of the foodie, the attendee. We'll have set up 70, 75,000 sometimes attendees at the four-day festival on South Beach, uh, Miami. It's also in a number of other venues around South Florida. It's even in Broward and, and West uh, Palm Beach County. But uh, the majority of the events are, are in South Beach. 
Uh, and the biggest ones are on the beach. So um, at those big events, which I focus on for food recovery, we typically have about 4,000 people in attendance at the evening events and up to 7,500 at the daytime uh, Grand Tasting Village. Um, and as you can imagine, with, with so many companies and so many chefs on site, they're all producing what they're known for, what they're, what they're best at, or something new that they want the public to learn about. And so they will produce um, in quantities to make sure that every festival goer is, uh, is going to be satisfied. So that gives us a great opportunity to uh, swoop in and recover everything that's left over at the end of the event. So uh, we learned from almost 15 years ago now, we had a, a weather event that, that rained out uh, one, of the, one of these large evening events and uh, we had an enormous amount of food left over, you know, no guests and preparations for 4,000 people. So we had a lot of food. And from that experience, then we learned year by year that we needed to be prepared for such things to happen. And that even without uh, uh, inclement weather, we were going to have uh, food left over uh, and something to be done with it, make sure it doesn't go through the waste stream. So, um, so we've over the years gotten better at it. And we've put together a team of volunteers, uh, students from my class, students from dietetics and nutrition classes, other hospitality classes social work students, we all gather uh, on each of those days, go through a briefing, and at the end of the, the of each event, whenever if it ends at 10 p.m., we're basically ready at 9.30, waiting for the event manager to say, okay, time to go in, collect everything you can. We'll have a, um, we'll have a refrigerated truck on site right next to the service entrance, and we'll have usually a couple of flatbed golf carts to go in with our teams and recover everything as quickly as possible and get it uh, under refrigeration as quickly as possible. That sounds like a, a, an enormous undertaking. Tell us about what goes into the, um, the, the pre-planning stage when you, you know, start to work with the event organizers and, and volunteers and tell us how that works. Sure. So, well, typically uh, we, we start organizing about three months before, and that's exactly what's happening now. We're in February now, uh, just starting to prepare for the, um, the event in May. Of course, the event itself is on a 12-month cycle. So they're, they're planning from, you know, the day after we close last year's event, we're planning for this year's event. But my focus is about three months prior. So I get in touch with the different event managers. That's what I just did just before coming on this with the Grand Taste of Village. I'll be uh, meeting with uh, the event managers for the other events that I mentioned and um, finding out, you know, changes from last year, uh, whatever we need to talk about. And, um, and that gives me a, a good idea of how to prepare and start organizing teams. So I'll go to classrooms. I'll, I'll, uh, um, I'll put out uh, information to the different faculty members to announce in their classrooms and then certain specific classes, I'll go and do a presentation. And uh, well, I'll talk about, um, you know, uh, food waste in general and why it's important to reduce food waste, uh, what it does to uh, uh, the generation of greenhouse gases, what it does to our landfills, uh, how, it, how it connects all the way through the sea level rise. And, uh, uh, and on occasion, I'll, I'll be invited for, you know, a one-hour guest lecture. We'll really get into it. And students are very, very interested in these subjects. You know, this is their future. They're studying hospitality or dietetics and nutrition or social work. They want to be involved in these things. 
they know it's going to be important for going forward in their career. So I have no trouble getting the attention of uh, any number of students. And usually um, my, my teams fill up very quickly. And I have people calling me saying, can't you get me in? Can't you get me in? I want to be part of this stuff. So, um, it's become a known thing for our festival, and it's it's spilled out into other festivals now. We've uh, we've, we've done the um, the seed uh, festival, uh, uh, the Vegan Dale festival. We've done the uh, country music on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. We've done. Uh, we were getting ready for Ultra last year before that one got canceled for COVID. And I, I heard just recently it's been canceled again for this year. So. Um, we'll we'll get to ultra next year whenever they get going again. But yeah, so uh, festivals, uh, large scale events, uh, you must have that those quantities of food ready to go in place. Um, and if everybody shows up and everybody hits every booth, you won't have a whole lot of food left over, and that's that's good for our environment. We don't have much to deal with, but. We need to be prepared. We know that typically that's not the case. There's going to be food left over somewhere. And we just need to be in place with a team with the right equipment and ready to recover that and know where to take it immediately from there so that it gets reused. Well, talk to us a little bit about those logistics. Once your your volunteers swoop in and start gathering up the food and putting it in the you know aluminum pans, um, getting ready for transport, um, where does it go from there? And if it's late at night, what happens then? Sure. So with this festival, we work with both Feeding South Florida, the regional food bank, and with Miami Rescue Mission, which is the largest um, homeless shelter in the area. Uh, they um, they serve, uh, well, on, in normal times, pre, pre-COVID, they would serve as many as 1,500 meals a day at their facility. They also have a Broward facility where they serve an additional number of meals. So they're serving in excess of 2,000 meals a day between their two facilities. <clears throat> uh, they have a, a large need for food donations and they have an ability to turn around those kind of donations and turn them into nourishing meals for the homeless populations of those two counties in very quick order. So typically what we'll do is for the evening events, um, if they end at 10 p.m., as I mentioned early, earlier, 9.30, we'll be ready to go in. We'll go in as soon after that 10 o'clock bell as the event manager feels is appropriate. We'll, we'll be done probably by midnight, 11.30, sometimes midnight, depending on how much food we're recovering. That food's going directly into a refrigerated truck. That's that it's already starting to chill it down. So we, uh, uh, according to food handling procedures, we have about a two-hour window where we need to get that under refrigeration, and it's usually uh, it's usually within an hour that we get it into the into the refrigeration. So we're even ahead of the game there. That's one of the tricks to that, that you have to know if you're organizing events is you can't leave it sitting around and, and pick it up tomorrow unless it's unless you have refrigeration on site. So we'll get that uh, truck uh, loaded. It's um, typically a truck from one of the partners, so Miami Rescue or the food bank. Um, and um, with, uh, <clears throat> with our volunteers, we'll get it loaded. And then with their driver and some of their volunteers in, in the case, uh, in, in both cases, they'll get those back to their facilities. So uh, if, we're, if we're closing that truck around 11.30 PM, it's back at the rescue mission about midnight. It's going from refrigerated truck into their walk-in refrigeration units there, you know, 
12.30 or something like that, between midnight and 1 a.m. Then what happens, about 5 in the morning, their, their chef comes in, opens it up, and says, Let's, let me see what i got to work with today. So um, if, uh, if it's Thursday night, uh, we've had the Italian night. If it's Friday night, it's Burger Bash and so forth. So uh, if the chef comes in Friday at 5 in the morning, he's looking at typically a lot of pasta, a lot of sauces, a lot of garlic bread, a lot of salads, uh, Parmesan cheeses, and anything you can imagine that was being served the night before. And he's turning that into, uh, oh, three or 400 meals for lunch, and then another six or 700 meals for dinner. And if there's more food than is necessary for those meals, um, they'll store it, they'll, they might freeze some of it, they might ship some of it to their, their uh, facility in Broward County, <clears throat> where they can also do a similar operation. One of the things I'm curious about is um, when you were first getting started with these various events, uh, did they come to you or did they reach out to, to find out about this or did you go to them and say, let us rescue your food? Well, so uh, great question. I'm not in the business of food rescue. I, 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 I usually react to them, <clears throat> but sometimes I'll go to industry events like Focus Miami or meeting professionals international or uh, uh, or the uh, sustainable event, events network uh, meetings and things like that. And, and um, I'll be invited to talk on the subject. And then uh, often I'll hear from an event planner after that saying, you know, I've got an event in May or I've got an event in July. Did you think that's something that, that could be done with that? And then I'll, I'll work with them and we'll, we'll organize. And in some cases, the, it's, it's small enough that they can do it themselves and give them some guidance. And in other cases, I'll um, I'll recruit a team of students and 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 we'll come in and 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 help help uh, make that happen. So um, that's typically how it works. I um, and every case is a different case, but I mean we enjoy doing it. My students get great uh, experience out of it. They're enthusiastic about it. I enjoy doing it, and um, it's it's just important for our industry to be proactive on this point. Uh, it's very important for. It's important to give back. Imagine, imagine the number of meals that we're serving. We'll serve after, after the South Beach Festival, if when all is added up, we'll probably have contributed to about 25,000 meals for the homeless. I mean, that's a lot of food. And that's, um, those are resources that that nonprofit homeless shelter that relies 100% on donations doesn't have to find. So uh, we've, we've helped save them a week or two of a food supply uh, budget. That's very, very important. That, that budget that they might have spent on food can be turned around and maybe they can hire one more social worker or, or, um, or, or another staff member of some sort or, or help improve their facilities in some way. It's interesting, too, that sometimes uh, the shelter will get uh, equipment donations after a festival. Uh, you'll have a, a either an equipment, uh, you know, someone who makes grills might have them on display and say, we don't want to ship that display all the way back to the factory. It's been out on the floor. It might have gotten a scratch or a ding or two from customers, uh, you know, rubbing up against it. We'll just donate it and we don't have to ship it back. And, and you know, do you know where we could donate? I said, do I ever? <laughs> they absolutely use that at, 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 at either that facility or one of their others or, or any number of, 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 um, of agencies here in, in South Florida, and uh, we'll do this work sometimes in Central Florida too. We've even we've even done some things out in Las Vegas in the hospitality industry too. But um, typically, we're 
we're, we're right here in South Florida. One of the things I'd like for you to address that um, many people are fearful uh, of donating food because of liability, somebody gets sick and they sue. And I know there's a federal and a state uh, law in here in Florida. So talk to us about that and how you allay those concerns. This is very, very important. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, there have been state laws for a long time regulating um, donation of food and some of them better than others. And in 1996, the federal government decided that a, a, a national law was needed as an umbrella to try and create some consistency across the board and encourage the act of food donation. So um, in fact, if you follow the rules, there, you're, you're not gonna run any risk of liability whatsoever. These laws, uh, the state, the federal and the state, the, the state law here is called the Jack Davis uh, Linda Helping Hand Act, I believe it's called from 2008 uh, here in Florida. And each state has, has its own, but um, uh, for Florida, you have, the, you have the federal overarching law protecting against liability. It specifically discusses that, uh, you, that, that the, the donor uh, uh, or do, donating organization shall not be held liable uh, once they've turned over in good faith. And this, this, is, this, is the key, this is the key term, in good faith that they're turning over a wholesome product, right? So you as the uh, food and beverage director or event manager or catering director or what executive chef, whatever your, whatever your role is, you know that food to be wholesome. In other words, it's been under your care. It's not been sitting out for overnight, uh, non-refrigerated, and you happen to donate the next morning. So as, uh, as, as long as you're working with food professionals who are, who are, who are trained in serve safe um, procedures, uh, you're, you have to do that for all your local, uh, county and municipal uh, foods, food safety laws. Anyway, uh, if you're going to operate any type of food business, you're already doing those things. So it's just to have the care that, that that's being carried out in any event situation. Um, and that law will protect you all the way. Uh, once you've turned, once you've donated that food to another organization, it's now, uh, it's now up to them to make sure that they uh, carry on with their procedures. And so that's why I always look to um, uh, a, a shelter or, or, or a food pantry or another organization, a food bank that has, has that certification that they're accustomed to doing that. It's, they, they, they're, they're very comfortable with receiving that food. They know immediately what they have to do it to keep it wholesome. The, um, the federal law is called for those who are interested in looking into that is the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan uh, Food Act, or Act or Food Act, I believe it is. Yeah. And um, one of the things I wanted to mention, um, you may already be aware of this, is the University of Arkansas um, did a study and there were zero lawsuits filed since the inception of the federal law. So that should allay some concerns as well. That's correct. To my knowledge, and you have to, you know, if you're a lawyer, you know, you have to check every day the records. But to my knowledge, and I, I do have a law professor here that does look at these things for me. Um, there has never been a, 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 a case brought um, um, that, that, that has gone through the system. Um, and so that means it's the law of the land. It's, it's what we call settled law. And if you have a legal department that is questioning what the heck are you doing, 
you can point immediately to those laws and you can point to the fact that it is settled law or it's the law of the land. It's not been challenged. It's accepted uh, because, you know, you can have a new law that, that's going to get all kinds of challenges and then you, you don't know where it's going. But this is an important point for your legal department. Wonderful. This has been great information, John. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about all of your successes. Congratulations on those. And um, er, pardon me. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, So this has been Dr. John Bushman, Florida International University. And what I did not mention at the introduction is it's the Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management. That's where he gets all those volunteers from those classes. So thank you again, John, and take care. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on the Sustainable Hospitality Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. And if you'd like a free consultation on becoming a much greener hotel, please visit us at sustainablehospitalitypodcast.com.